Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to go to God's word, something that God put on my heart about three, four weeks ago. Lord, I may be the individual who is speaking, but I want it to be your heart, your voice, the thoughts that you want communicated to this great body of Christ, both those that are here in this service and those that are watching via the internet. Lord, there is something I believe that you want to speak to each and every one of us, and so we open our hearts now to you in Jesus' name. Folks at home and congregation, would you repeat after me these words? Lord, my heart is open. Speak to me by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Looking Forward to Judgment Day. Looking forward to Judgment Day. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, why would anyone be looking forward to Judgment Day? And that's exactly what Sherry said when she said, hey, what you preaching on this week? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a message on Judgment Day called kind of looking forward to Judgment Day. And she looked at me like, why would anybody look forward to Judgment Day? By the time I'm done... I hope that you will see why we as followers of Jesus should be looking forward to Judgment Day. Now, here's something that I've learned over my years as a Christian and over my years of pastoral ministry. I have found that there are some wonderful followers of our Lord Jesus Christ who have not yet understood what the New Testament reveals about the final judgment. And so they dread it. A follower of Jesus, hear this, people, a follower of Jesus who is living for him Serving him and the kingdom of God should never fall into the category of dreading Judgment Day. That should not be you. Now, there are other believers who give no thought to the final judgment, who have not yet maybe understood some things, and I'm afraid they will be surprised on Judgment Day, and not in a good way. They're going to heaven but they will have missed out on something that God says is very important that I'm going to teach you about today. And then the third reason I want to talk about Judgment Day this week and next week is this. With the current world crises that we are all walking through, there, has been, there are more people that are wondering about the end times. There are more people wondering about the final judgment. They're asking questions. And so this morning, I'm going to be, this morning and next week, I'm going to be answering, hopefully, some of those questions. And so for these reasons, we're going to talk about Judgment Day. The first thing I want you to know is there are two judgments described in Scripture, which I want to talk about. There are two judgments. You think, wait a minute, I thought there was a Judgment Day. No, According to the Bible, there are two judgments. The first is this, the judgment seat of Christ. Two judgments, the judgment seat of Christ. If you grew up and you've been taught about this, somebody may have also referred to it as the Bema judgment. That is a Greek word, B-E-M-A, the Bema judgment. It is what the Bible calls the judgment seat of Christ. Now, here's the key thing about this judgment. Only followers of Jesus Christ only believers are a part of this judgment. 
Two scriptures coming up on the screen. The first is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In the Greek, it actually says we will appear before the bema of the anointed one. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now look at the reason that we appear. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. Your translation may say good or evil. The word bad or evil actually is probably better translated good or worthless. And then in Romans chapter 14, also from Paul's writings, verses 10 through 12, Paul says it this way, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. <coughs> Excuse me. And then look at verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Allergies, allergy medication, and a dry throat and preaching does not make a good combination. <laughs> so if I am coughing or whatever, it's not corona, it's allergies. I don't believe it's corona. The second judgment that the New Testament talks about is found in the book of Revelation chapter 20. This is called the great white throne judgment. So the one judgment is the judgment seat of Christ, also called the Bema judgment. It is only believers that are at this judgment. The second judgment is the great white throne judgment found in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Only those who are not followers of Jesus take part in this judgment. No believer will appear at the great white throne judgment. This is just for those who have not followed the Lord Jesus Christ. They will appear at that judgment. Next week, I will get into the details of the great white throne judgment. This week, we're only going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. See, I grew up in a mainline church, and I was aware that there would be some type of a final judgment, but I didn't understand what the Bible taught. But after I gave my heart to Jesus, started reading the Bible for myself, and began to attend a church that actually taught the Word of God, I learned about these two judgments, and so I want to uh, teach you about them. I spent a great deal of time, well, maybe not a great deal of time, but I did spend a lot of time over the past week or two going back to commentaries, going back to other materials, so that I could clearly talk to you about what the Bible says regarding these two judgments. So let's talk this week about the judgment seat of Christ, and there's going to be five statements I'm going to give you regarding the judgment seat of Christ. So here we go. Number one, at the judgment seat of Christ, the thing you need to know is you are saved by grace, but you will be judged by works. And so on the screen, I put it in the first person. I am saved by grace. I will be judged by works. At the judgment seat of Christ, this is not a judgment for your sins. It, when you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you received his free gift of salvation, your sins were forgiven and cleansed. When you stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, your sins will not be mentioned. They are forgiven. 
You are heaven bound. You are not being determined at the judgment seat of Christ whether you're going to heaven or hell. That was settled the day that you received your free gift of salvation and the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed you from all understanding. The Holy Spirit came in. However, you will still, you and I will both, stand before Jesus at a judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a judgment for your sins. And only believers, again, will stand here. Going back now to 2 Corinthians, I want to point out a few things. 2 Corinthians 5.10 and then the Romans passage. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us, each of us, you will individually stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I have heard uh, authors describe it as you stand alone. You're not going to stand there with your spouse. You're not going to stand there with your children. You're not going to stand there in view of other people. You are standing there alone. It is just you and Jesus. Each of us will appear individually before the judgment seat of Christ so that you may receive. This is a rewards judgment. This is the place where the rewards that you have earned by your works, you do earn rewards. You are saved by grace, but you're still judged by your works, those works after you have come to Christ. And there are rewards that are given. So Paul goes, we must all be, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And again, in Romans chapter 14, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, verse uh, 10, but jumping down to verse number 12. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. This is the place where you account for what you have been given. Each of us has been given time. Each of us has been given resources. Each of us has been given talents. We've been given gifts. This is the place where we will give an account, the judgment seat. Of Christ. Evangelist Daniel Kalinda, who's president and CEO of Christ for All Nations, said this about this judgment. When it comes to salvation, it's not about works at all. When it comes to your salvation, you can't earn your salvation. You're not closer to God because you've accepted Christ. Your salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't make God love you any more than he does. All you can do is receive it as a free gift. When it comes to salvation, it's not about works at all. However, when it comes to eternal rewards, it's all about works. When it comes to eternal rewards, it's all about works. So number one this morning is, I am saved by grace, but I am judged by works. Number two, I've already described this, so we'll go through it quickly. I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, here's where I want you to understand something. When believers in those days first heard this statement, it would have been a statement which did not necessarily cause them dread. In fact, a Bema seat or a Bema judgment was very common in their day. When people would stand before uh, a magistrate or a judge to have a decision rendered, there was a slightly raised platform. They would walk out on the, up on top of the platform, they would stand there, and judgment would be issued. But the better picture for the Bema judgment that I think they would have understood had to do with athletic competition, more specifically, their Olympic Games. When 
people uh, took part in athletic competition, after the race was over, after the competition was over, those who competed would stand upon a raised platform, very similar to what we have in our medal round, where we have a gold, a silver, and a bronze raised platform. And those athletes who performed at that level, the one would stand at the top, receive their gold medal, then the silver medal, then the bronze medal. What would have been the image that the early church would have received when the Apostle Paul wrote the words, you will stand before the, you will stand on the bema of the anointed one, was that they were like in a competition. They had gone through um, a, an athletic competition and they were going to receive their prize. They were going to be honored for how they did in that race. Has anybody ever gone to or watched the Olympics on TV? Maybe you're, you've gone to them, but have you ever watched the Olympics on TV? How excited are the medal winners to stand up on that platform? If you've won the gold, you can't wait to stand there. As a matter of fact, if you're in gold position, say in figure skating or in, in, in downhill skiing or something like that, and somebody else is coming behind you, that if they can go one-tenth of a second faster or if they can get one portion of a percentage point more, they will jump to gold. So you're waiting and you're waiting. What medal am I going to receive? And you're waiting. And finally, the last uh, performer or the last skier goes, and their, their time or their performance did not... Uh, equal yours, so they're probably going to get silver or bronze, and you're going to get gold. You're looking forward to that moment. You are looking forward to standing there, representing your country, the United States of America, hearing the national anthem played, wearing a gold medal around your neck, cameras on you, and the whole world watching as you are honored for what you did. That's the picture that I believe God is presenting us of the Bema Judgment. Why should we be looking forward to Judgment Day? Because we're going to receive our reward. We're going to receive our reward. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Number three, I will receive my rewards on that day. I will receive my rewards on that day. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul actually describes how these rewards are given and what's going to take place. So I'm going to invite you to go to your Bible and to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, I'm going to read those verses. Now, if you're watching on a device at home and your Bible's on the device, I would recommend that you go and get a paper Bible, or you're going to have to pause this so that you can read the verses. But one of the things is, um, on my key passages, and this is just me personally, I could put the whole passage up on the screen. Some of you would like me to put the whole passage on the screen. I like us to still hold our Bibles. I like us to still see the Word of God when I'm reading it, which is one of the reasons I'll put some Scripture up, but my main passages, I will only put the reference, and I want you to look at it yourself. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, hear what the Apostle Paul says in describing the judgment. In this passage, Paul is talking about the fact that the kingdom of God is built by all of the workers, built by apostles, built by prophets, built by pastors, built by lay people. Paul mentions that he laid a foundation in the church of Corinth and that other people are now building on it. And he starts in verse 12 and he says, anyone who builds on that foundation, anyone who is building the kingdom of God, anyone who builds on that foundation, they can use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, 
hay, or straw. Gold, silver, or jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burnt up, the builder will suffer great loss. Not a loss of salvation. He goes on and explains that. The builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. The picture again is it's now the time for the rewards to be given. You and I stand before our Lord Jesus Christ on this raised platform called the Bema. We stand there. Jesus is there. His eyes are filled with love and compassion. And he says, it's time for your life to be subjected to the test. And from the time that you are a believer until the time that you stand before Jesus, when you are in the body, you have been building. And a type of a fire, don't know if it's literal, probably not, probably just an allegory, but your entire life is subjected to a fire that reveals the quality of your life for the kingdom. And when the fire hits it, those things that are able to withstand the fire, gold, silver, precious stones, remain. But those things, wood, hay, and straw, or stubble, I, I, you'll hear me say stubble because that's how I memorized it from an older translation, wood, hay, and straw burn up. And so what's left reveals to you, Jesus already knew, what rewards you will receive. So you're saved by grace, but you're going to be judged by works. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and you will receive your rewards on that day. Point four, and I've already alluded to it, but I'll just make it as a point. I am building for the kingdom from the day I received Jesus. You are building for the kingdom from the day you received Jesus, or you should be building for the kingdom. Every Christian's life, every follower of Jesus, their life is building something. If it is for God, for the kingdom, if it's done with proper attitudes, God says you're building with gold, silver, and precious stones. Those things will survive the fire of this judgment. But those things which we do for ourselves, without regard for others, or for Jesus, or for the kingdom of God, those things we do for ourselves, it's about our life, it's about our household, it's only about our family, it's about our money, it's about my free time, it's about my um, uh, retirement, whatever those things might be, it's about me, me, me. When you stand before Jesus, those things will be burnt up because they'll be the wood, the hay, and the straw. You will stand there and your life will be revealed. This is not about heaven. We're all going to heaven. It's just what you will receive and take with you for the rest of eternity. And it all is going to be determined in the period of time that you have from the time that you accepted Christ until the time that you go to be with him. What will you have? What will stand the judgment seat? 
of Christ. Quoting from Daniel, Kalinda again, and I I really liked what he said here, and so I decided I'd just let him say it. Coming up on the screen, Christians can be saved, forgiven, and on their way to heaven, but still live for worthless things, and many believers do. And though we will give an account one day, this reckoning will not deal with individual sins already forgiven by God. Those sins are gone. No, we will give an account for the way we lived our lives as redeemed children of God. For the things we did with the time, opportunities, resources, gifts, and grace God has put in our hands. You and I have been given time, opportunity, resources, gifts, and grace. They've been put in our hands. They were put in our hands the day we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus will show us how we use those things. Some of us will see gold, silver, precious stones. Others will see wood, hay, and straw burnt up. Now, personally, and I've, I've... thought a lot about this passage in my own life. I think we're all a combination of some. It's going to be some of our life that is going to be burned up and it's going to be ash. Time that was wasted, opportunities that were missed, uh, things done with the wrong attitudes uh, that become the wood, the hay, and the straw. But then there's also going to be the gold and the silver and the precious stones. You're saying, well, why should I be looking forward to a judgment like that? Why should I be looking forward to it? And that's my fifth point. I should be looking forward to this day. I should be looking forward to this day. Let me explain why I believe you should be looking forward to this day, why I personally am looking forward to this day. Matthew's gospel, there is a parable that Jesus told. It's in the 25th chapter. I'm not going to read it. I'm actually just going to uh, tell you the story that Jesus told. The king, there was a king, there was a ruler who is Jesus Christ himself who had some servants. He was going away on a long trip, and he left them in charge, and he gave them uh, bags of money. One man received five bags of silver. One man received two bags of silver. One man received one bag of silver, each according to their ability. And what that means is, is that the man who received one bag, that was his ability, And the master was only going to be judging him or he was only going to give account based on his ability. So uh, you could say, well, I'd probably get more rewards if I could preach like Pastor Rick. Well, maybe, maybe not. But if your ability is to minister to children, if your ability is to minister with tech, you don't belong on the platform. You belong doing what God has given you to do and doing it well. Your rewards are going to be based on what you have done with what God has asked you to do, not what God has asked me to do. As a matter of fact, Josh, when you stand at this Bema, you took some risks, and you obeyed even when obeying didn't make sense. As a matter of fact, some of you don't know this, I actually offered a full-time position to Josh here about a year ago, saying, Josh, would you like to come full-time on staff? He, at that point, was working Pizza Hut. He was also working with the students, getting a little bit of compensation. I was saying, this is a full-time position, and we would love to have you come back. Our church loves you. 
And Josh prayed about it, and he came back to me and says, Pastor Rick, I feel that God wants me to stay here in Fort Wayne and to continue to work at Master's Commission. He wasn't an assistant director at that time. He was a helper, mostly a volunteer. God didn't ask him to come back here. He asked him to stay there and to sacrifice. But when you stand before the Bema, the rewards that you will receive by being obedient to what God called you to do will be incredible. Because that's how we are judged before the judgment seat of Christ. We are judged on our obedience to what God has called us to do. And so when we stand there, we should be looking forward to it because the man who had the five bags, he went out and he got busy. And the master, it says, was gone for a long time. And the man who had the five bags put those bags to work somehow. He invested. He might have started a business. Don't know everything that he did. But all of a sudden, he started to increase what the master had given him. By the time the master returned, he now had 10 bags. He had earned five more. The man who had been given two, according to his ability, took and began to work with the two bags of silver that he was given. And over the period of time that the master was gone, he earned two additional bags. And then there was the man who received one who went and buried the one in the ground and just brought that one bag back to the master. We're not going to talk about that man today, but I want to talk about the one with the five and the one with the two. Now think about it. You've been working hard. You were given this opportunity. You were given bags of silver. We've been given time. We've been given gifts. We've been given opportunities illustrated by bags of silver. And we have been working hard for months, even years. We don't know how long the master was gone, but I, it said he was gone for a very long period of time. And so this man with the five bags of silver is working, and now it's six. And now it's six and a half. And then he has a really good year, and it jumps to eight. And stays at eight for a while, but then it goes to nine, and it goes to ten. The man with two, doing similar things to two. And all of a sudden, they get word, the master's coming And they know the master's going to ask for an account. The master's coming home. And the master's going to ask for an account. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Do you think those two individuals were excited to give an account to the master? I do too. They were looking forward to judgment day. Why? Because they had used well that what the master had given him. They knew the master well enough that they knew that he was going to be pleased. And so each one of them stood before the master, and the Bible says they gave an account. And the one says, Master, you gave me five bags, and look, I now have ten. And what does the master say? And it's a, it's a phrase that most of us have said. We want Jesus to say to us, well done. What does he say? Tell me, well done. Good and faithful servant. That is the phrase that we're looking forward to when we stand on that platform, the judgment seat of Christ. When we stand before Jesus, we want to hear that because we have been good and faithful servants. We should be looking forward to the day that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to smile and bestow on us our rewards. For he told the man who had earned five, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a little. I'm going to put you in charge of much more. The man with two came, and he had earned two. The master didn't say, why didn't you earn as much as the other? He wasn't, because we're not compared to what other people have. He was given two, he earned two. I believe that when he went to give account to the master, he was also excited about giving an account to the master. That's why we should be looking forward to Judgment Day. We should be looking forward to the opportunity and the ability to stand before Jesus and to receive our rewards. This is the way I hope we'll all appear before that, before Jesus, with, a, with an expression like this, Lord, I have run my race. I have finished my life. I have served you. I am now ready to receive what is due me for everything which I have done while living in this body since I was saved. That's the attitude. Lord, I have run my race. I have finished my life. I have served you. I am ready to receive what is due me for everything which I have done while living in this body since I was saved. Now, I want you for a moment to let your imaginations take over. I want you to imagine standing before Jesus. It's the day that you'll be receiving your rewards, and he's waiting for you. And everything is made known or everything is revealed. And when you're there, it is mentioned, you know, you gave, and you met needs, and nobody else knew about it. You passed on to others several thousands of dollars. I saw, I'm taking the role of Jesus here, I saw, here's your rewards. You shared your faith. And it seemed like a total failure. I so appreciated Nathaniel a couple of weeks ago sharing about his mess up where he was sharing with a server at a restaurant. He said it, w it, w it went bad. Um, it was terrible. He felt bad. You know, Nathaniel, I don't know where you are. I think you might be up in the balcony right now, so I'm just going to look up at you. You're going to stand before Jesus, my friend. You're going to stand before Jesus. And you say, remember that, Nathaniel? And you're going to say, yeah, I was so embarrassed. You say, here's your reward. Because even though you didn't want to do it, you just felt that you needed to share with that person. And there's a reward for you. Even those times that have gone wrong. Sherry shared this story many, many years ago with me. Sherry, when you stand there, there was that day, I think we might have been living in Colby or we might have been in Marysville. I don't remember what it was. I don't know if she remembers it. I remember it. I know Jesus remembers it. Sherry was out taking a walk, and she just felt the Holy Spirit prompt her, nudge her to walk up to a door and knock on the door. She had heard some, maybe some arguing inside, and this is outside of Sherry. Sherry's not the type of person that goes to knock on strangers' doors. I mean, this is totally outside. But she felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that gentle prompting, and the prompting was for her to go to this door and knock on the door and just ask, I don't remember specifically, can I pray for you, or can I, can, is there anything I can do? And knowing my wife and knowing how those type of things make her so uncomfortable, I'm sure she took a deep breath and she walked up to that house and she knocked on that door and somebody answered and she shared with them a few moments and they said thank you and she went away and she felt like, what was that all about? 
They didn't fall out in the spirit. They didn't say, oh, I've just been praying that someone would come and tell me about Jesus. They didn't do any of that stuff. And so Sherry then left the house and went and finished her walk. But on that day, I believe Jesus will be saying, I saw you obeyed. Here's more reward. For others of us, it would be something like this. Opportunity presented itself. And you chose to remain sexually pure as a single person. And if you're a single person in this culture, opportunity will present itself. And you chose to remain sexually pure as a single person or faithful to your spouse as a married one. No one knows the choice you made. No one knows what that opportunity was. No one knows how you said no. But Jesus saw and now you're standing before him and he's saying, here's your reward. You chose to attend church when you would have preferred to be fishing or golfing or going to a festival or sleeping in, but you chose to honor and worship Jesus. You chose to honor and worship Jesus instead of doing something you wanted to do. And maybe the preacher didn't even do very well that morning. I've been known to, and other preachers have been known to, not always do well. But Jesus saw, and when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, there are rewards. All alone, no one saw, but you prayed for others. You prayed for a missionary. You prayed for a loved one. And you didn't see anything happen because of those prayers, but Jesus saw. And at the judgment seat of Christ, he's rewarding you. You stuck with a friendship because it was what you felt God wanted you to do, and it was a friendship which was draining on you. It was, a, it was difficult to be in that friendship. But you remained a friend to that person because you felt that God wanted you to be a Christian witness in their life, even though the relationship was draining. And at the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus will remind you of that, and you will be rewarded. You stood up for what was right, and it cost you a promotion and some friendships, and you felt like a fool standing up for what was right, Jesus saw, and at the judgment seat, he's rewarding you at that time. And he's going to reward us for things we've forgotten about, times where we've served, times of sacrifice, times of generosity, times of love and compassion. We will be rewarded. And again, it's not based on how well we did next to anybody else. It's just how well we did with what God gave us and asked us to do. Here's what I want you to do this morning. Whether you're watching at home or you're watching here, I want you to consider your life and I want you to imagine yourself on that race platform in front of Jesus. He's the king and he's handing out the rewards. And I want you to imagine yourself saying these words, Lord, I have run my race. I have finished my life. I have served you. I am ready to receive what is due me for everything which I have done while living in this body since I was saved. And I want you to imagine yourself being so excited to say those words. I want you to imagine yourself like an Olympic athlete who knows that they meddled. Just can't wait to get to the platform because you have been living for Jesus. You have been praying. You have been serving. You have been sacrificing. You made your life count for something. And so when it comes time for you to stand on the judgment seat, you can't wait to get there. I, honestly, folks, 
I've been trying to live my life this way for a number of years. I can't wait to get there. Sure, I'm, I'm, a, I'm expecting there's going to be some ash underneath me. I'm expecting there's going to be some things that were wood, some things that were hay, some things that were straw. Probably all of my roller coaster riding will end up down there as ash, but I'm sure enjoying it now. But I am looking forward to that day because since Jesus Christ saved me, I have tried to serve him. And he promises that for what I have done while in the body, good or worthless, I will receive my rewards. I'm looking forward to my judgment day. I hope you're looking forward to yours also. Would you bow as we pray? Lord, We thank you for what you have done. For you made it possible for us to be forgiven of sin. We're, not, we're never going to stand before you at the judgment seat of Christ and have to atone or account for sin. They're all forgiven. They're gone. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your death, your sacrificial death. We thank you that grace made it possible for us to be saved. But while we're saved by grace and not by works, you have also given us tasks to do after our salvation for which we will give an account and for which we will be rewarded. May each person hearing my voice today be like the servant with the five bags of silver who earned five, who just couldn't wait for the master to get home so that he could present to him everything that he had earned, or the man with the two bags of silver who could present to him everything that he had earned. May we be excited for Judgment Day. And Lord, if there's any here today who, as they have imagined their life, they realize that they have done very little to serve you since they've been saved. Lord, they can't go back and start over, but they can start today. And I pray if there's anyone like that, if there's anyone that your Holy Spirit began to speak to, we prayed as I started, Holy Spirit, speak to us. I pray if someone has heard your voice and they have been challenged about how they've been living for you, that they make a decision and a determination today to change that to walk closely with you and to serve you and the kingdom that they may be excited when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ that they could be looking forward to their judgment day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you are not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.